0: It just came like Hello again my darlings welcome to another episode of Generation Mix this is Jolie Frijoli, your host for today, and I want to thank you very much for joining me, and we're going to switch gears a little bit, and I'd like to ask, have you heard of the Bill of Rights for Racially Mixed People? Because I know I have it. and what's really funny is since I've started my podcast, I've been delving more into the whole multiracial history and aspects of everything multiracial, and I came across this about a month and a half ago. And I actually posted it on my, my Instagram generation mix podcast that this actually existed. And I actually posted it on Facebook under my personal account. And people are like, I passed this, like one of my, my classmates who, um, is in a multiracial marriage a biracial marriage. She passed it on to her daughters and said, thank you for, for showing this. My daughters don't even know this. I'm going to send this to my daughters. So let me give you a little bit of a background, um, about this. It was, um, written in 1993, this is almost thirty years ago, by Dr. Maria P. P. Root, who is a Filipina American, and she's a clinical psychologist and she's an independent scholar as well. She's very well known, and she wrote this almost like a proclamation, used to kind of empower those of us who are either mixed or in mixed families. And what's really cool about this this whole proclamation, this document, it was this document that actually was instrumental in the U S census adding on check if more, if more than one race box category on it in the 2000 census, which is really cool because of this actual proclamation. And, just for a little more uh further info, she actually has written a lot of multiracially themed books. Like some of her works include Racially Mixed in America, which is about basically what I'm doing, but in written form, it's actually telling written experiences of people growing up multiracial in America. She also has the multiracial experience. Racial Borders is a New Frontier, Loves Revolution, Racial Intermarriage, which sounds like she pretty much probably focused on the Loving, the loving case with that, and then also the Multiracial Child Resource book. So what I'm going to do first, just to give you a little guideline, is that first I'm going to read the entire document, and then for me as a multiracial person, what my interpretations are of it, word by word and line by line. So here we go. Ready? So listen. This is incredible bill of rights for people of mixed heritage. I have the right not to justify my existence in this world. I have the right not to keep the races separate within me. I have the right not to justify my ethnic legitimacy. I have the right not to be responsible for people's discomfort with my physical or ethnic ambiguity. I have the right to identify myself differently than strangers expect me to identify. I have the right to identify myself differently than how my parents identify me. I have the right to identify myself differently than my brothers and sisters. I have the right to identify myself differently in different situations. I have the right to create a vocabulary to communicate about being multiracial or multi-ethnic. I have the right to change my identity over my lifetime and more than once, I have the right to have loyalties and identification with more than one group of people. and finally, I have the right to freely choose whom I befriend and love. so from from my standpoint, because I'm sure other people will have other other uh, interpretations, so I'm going to go first line. I have the right not to justify my existence in this world. So here's the thing, how I read that first line. I don't have to basically tell you who I am or what I am. I don't have to, it is not my job to explain that to you. It's not my job to make it easier for you to tell you totally who I am up front. You take me first as a human being, and then we can go from there. So I don't feel like I have to justify giving you all this additional background because I don't look like you. I look a little different or whatever to, to help, anyone else feel more comfortable because take me as a human first, first and foremost, before you start looking at all the different labels that you have of me and how I look, act and dress. I have the right not to keep races separate within me. And here's the thing that I always struggled with because with my, with my, with my parents, my father didn't say much about it, but I know with my mother, she always emphasized the fact that you're black, you're black. And my whole thing is like, why do I have to identify as black when I'm also white? and Native American. And, and, you know, and then when I did my DNA stuff, I can even add all the other fun stuff, Central Asian, Eastern European, Iberian, which is Hispanic. Why do I have to feel the need to do that? You know what I mean? And it's like, why can't I embrace all, you know, because the way this country America, is built on is a melting pot of different ethnicities. So why is it okay in America to kind of have that ideal, but yet the people within it who actually embody what America is, why can't we say that? Why is that such a problem? I never understood that. I have the right not to justify my ethnic legitimacy. So this kind of goes along with the who are you thing and, and these funny remarks. You know, you're not really black, are you? Are you really Asian? You don't act like Asian. Like, what the heck is that supposed to mean? Like, are we not acting like the stereotype that you've been exposed to through media and songs and everything else because we don't act like that nice little box that you're putting people that are labeled black, white, Asian, whatever. You have to ask us, like, are you, you're not really that. It's like, yes, we are. We're human beings. And we're going to have different personality traits that are just personality traits that's not indicative of any sort of culture or background. So why do I need, feel the need to even justify that and even have to answer, well, you're not really this or really that? Who, who decides that? Why do you decide that? What, what is it behind your thinking why you said that in the first place? Again, we need these conversations and we need to start talking about stuff like this. I have the right not to be responsible for people's discomfort with my physical or ethnic ambiguity. And you know what? You can't blame me. I was born... I I was brought into this world. It's not like I, I checked the box before I was born as some sort of spiritual being, like before I was born, I'm going to be multiracial. I was just born this way. And that shouldn't have to make you uncomfortable because what is it about me being not totally white looking or black looking or whatever my street race is. Why does that make you so uncomfortable? And I think part of the problem has to do with, you know, we're we're so busy labeling people and putting people into these boxes that make people feel un- feel comfortable. And it's like we got to stop with all this massive labeling because for certain things you really can't put a label on. For those of us who are who are more than one label, so why the hell do we have to have all these twelve thousand labels? given to us for this. And the whole thing is too. what's really interesting is that, um, on my generation podcasts, um, generation mix podcast, IG I actually post some random things. And, and one of them had to talk about how, um, you know, even people who are in a biracial relationship, you know, the looks that people give as if you're betraying your race. So even out the gate, if you're even fully white and black, the fact, the fact that, You're in an interracial or biracial relationship. It already makes people uncomfortable even on that level. And it's like, why do you feel the need for that? These are two people in love. Leave them alone. They are not hurting anybody, but accept your prejudicial or racist views on the thing. Just leave it be. They're happy. Let them go. You move on with your life. I have the right to identify myself differently than strangers expect me to identify. So, like I said before, like I've been mistaken for twelve thousand different things, and I'm sure other biracial kids have have gone through the same thing as well. And it's like I'll have people back home in New York when I was growing up coming up to me speaking Spanish, and I'm like, I don't speak Spanish. Oh, you don't? No, honey. And then I have to explain to them why, even though I look Puerto Rican, or Cuban or whatever, I am mixed. I am half black and half white primarily. And so a lot of them can't even seem to. To understand that, which is, which is really strange. And then, and what I also get though, which is really weird is I have a totally French name and they look at me and I've had people, all different backgrounds come up to me and they would automatically assume, Oh, are you Haitian? No, I'm not Haitian. Oh, are you, are you from, are you Creole from Louisiana? No, honey, I'm not from there. And then again, because of these assumptions, I have to explain to people, my parents are from New York. I'm a New Yorker, native New Yorker. My mama was black. My daddy was white. If you want the real basic explanation, you know, and that's, that, that's what people need to understand. Just because someone looks a certain way, doesn't mean they're going to identify and you can't make your assumptions, but I don't, I don't totally um, push away people who at least make the effort to ask the question or or even speak to me, because that's the grounds for an open communication. That's the grounds to pass knowledge on. Because some people are just going to assume what you are and keep walking and not say anything, or they'll say something disparaging, and that's not really a safe space to open up conversation. So at least with something like that, that, that actually gives the grounds for everything. Here's the next one. I have the right to identify myself differently than how my parents identify me. So again, we're going to go back. You know what's really funny? I just think about how my dad throughout my childhood he stayed pretty silent about the whole racial thing. And I wish my dad was still alive so that I could, you know, ask questions from his perspective about why he chose my mother when the prior two women he was married to were, were lily white. And then he went the total opposite direction and married this dark-skinned black woman. All I know from my mother's side, just as a side side story, you know, um, how my mom with my dad, what was really funny, you know, Especially my first episode, I pointed this out about myself, about how my mom, my dad were working in the post office. My dad was my mom's supervisor. And one of my mom's friends had told her that um two guys in the post office had a crush on her. And she told my mom who these two people were. And my mom's like, Okay. She's like, Well, which one should I pick? She's like, Well, pick Chevalier because he's not married, but the other guy is. So then that's kind of how my mom kind of picked the one of the two who had eyes for her, so to speak. So, you know, that that kind of went off. But to kind of move forward from that, it's like my father never really talked much about it, maybe because he didn't know how, or maybe I, I really don't know. Um, as for my mother, my mother already defined me coming out of the womb. It's like, you're black, you're black, you're black. You need to listen to black music. You need to hang out with black friends. And what part of the problem was that would frustrate my mom is, number one, I liked all sorts of music. But at the time, I grew up in the 80s, Gen X. So I liked I like the, the general people. I love my Michael Jackson. Yes. But I also loved wham. I love the go-go's. I love Rick Spring- Springfield. I love, you know, all George Michael, all that stuff. And that used to irritate my mom sometimes. Cause she's like, why do you listen to all this white music? And I'm thinking, why can't I like, why, why, because you label me as black, I'm just limited to listening to Motown and funk and soul like rap. I, why, why, why do you get upset with something like that? You know, and that used to really boggle my mind, you know, about that. And, um, you know, I understood kind of the, kind of the reasoning why I guess, because I actually did a post as well on my IG, um, with, uh, I think it was Keenan, I believe, or, or I think Keenan or, or the other one, I forgot his name. It escapes me for the second. I'm sorry. If you're listening, um, said something along the lines of when you're biracial, you know, we tend to be with our black brothers and sisters. They tend to look at us with the side eye and the movement. It's like, look, you know, yes, I'm half white or half this, but I'm also want to, want to join the cause and be with you people. You know, it's like, stop separating us because we're part this or part that because there's strength in numbers. I'm all for black rights. I'm all against racism. Go Colin Kaepernick brother. I stand with you. I stand with you, even though people don't agree with it, but I do because that's just how I look at it from my perspective. Okay. But, um, That's how I felt about things like that with my mother. And then another thing that I remember, I used to, I went to fat camp one year. Yes, I did. It actually existed. Weight Watchers Camp Perky Omen in Pennsylvania, went to fat camp And what was really funny was I was, they went by age ranges in terms of like assigning students to the different camps, like the different like camp houses. So I was supposed to go in the oldest one where there were mostly white girls. My mom actually went to like the director or something and said, I don't want her in that one. Put her in the, in the other camp with the younger kids because they're black girls there. And it's almost like my mom forced me for something I didn't even want to, you know, I wanted to make the choice into going to a different thing for this camp for three weeks with black girls. And I didn't really get it. I didn't really become close to them. I actually became close to a Jewish girl. And my roommate was like an Italian girl from New Jersey, you know, and, and, and I had another friend who was Latina. That was my group that I hung out with. And my mom just thinking, because since I'm supposed to be black and identify with black, that I'll automatically be friends with black people. That's not how it happened for me. I tried kind of integrating myself in that group, but I always felt uncomfortable and off. So then what did I do? I went out and found my own group of friends. Again, the three that I had, Motley Crew, That's who I was friends with, you know? So we're going to move on to the next one, actually. Um, I have the right to identify myself differently than my brothers and sisters. So here's the thing about me with my siblings, at least. I can't say a whole lot about this because I have a very interesting background. So my mom and dad were married and had kids prior before meeting. And I was a, a a change of life baby, an oopsie baby, because my dad was like 52 when I was born and my mom was pushing 40 and they were not expecting me. So on my dad's side, I have three white siblings, older half siblings. And on my mom's side, I have two older black siblings. So in my particular case, I pretty much had the whole category to myself, you know, but for somebody like, like the sisters that I talked to previously, Jarena, Michiko and Joan you know that you that you will hear shortly cuz she's coming up in next week's next week's episode um they all identify themselves as totally different and they're all three sisters within the same family household upbringing and and that's the thing you should have the freedom to identify yourself if you're in a multiracial family any background you want if, if you want to say you're white, you're black, you're mixed, you're Latin, you're whatever, you have every freedom for that. And just because your sister or your brother says, well, I'm black and you say, well, I identify more as white than that. Those two are totally valid choices. You know, even though one may not agree with the, with the other, it's still valid choices and they're allowed to make those choices. And that's how I feel about that whole situation from a personal level. I have the right to identify myself differently in different situations. So I totally get this because it's called code switching. Us black folks know about this really well. You see, I just did that right there. I just code switch. So what code switching is for those who don't understand what it is, is that when you're of color, like black skin, okay. Cause it may be different for other people <clears throat> is that, depending on the situation you're in, you code switch. You either, you switch to either being more quote unquote black. When you are hanging out with your brothers and sisters, you may speak in a different way. You may use slang or whatever, because you're kind of, you're socializing with that group. But then if you're on with another group of people, you know, with the code switching, you have to try to kind of change it up. So you might, if you're with a, white folks, for example, you tend to be a little more proper in your speech, you tend to mirror what their actions are more so. And that's kind of what's cool about being multiracial, because we kind of already know about that growing up in a multiracial home, that the way mommy acts is one way. And this is what I do with mommy and the way daddy acts is another way. So this is how I am with daddy. So that's how I was able to navigate between all these different spaces, because I already had That background and that upbringing already ingrained in me that, yes, it's going to be different. There's going to be different things you do, how you talk, how you hang out and all that other stuff. That's just how it's going to be, because we we kind of have to thrust that upon ourselves because of how we are. We don't look totally white. We don't look totally black and we're not. So when we go and navigate between all these spaces, because we're chameleons, hello, even color wise, we're chameleons. We learn to blend in with, with whatever group we're with. We all do this. A lot of us do code switching and I'm very aware of what code switching is. So and I think a lot of times code switching, too, is also um, a self-preservation mechanism, because if you think about it, if you're going to be in one group of people and you're acting totally the opposite or something like another race would do, then you would obviously be seen as a danger, a threat, or you're weird and you get thrown out of the group. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And I think a lot of us who are multiracial are really good at navigating those areas and being able to fit into these different groups. And I think another thing what I've noticed too with being multiracial is because of our background, we're able to kind of float between groups anyway, because we're already not... You're you're, you're standardized mono racial person. So we already kind of know that we're a little bit different. And the fact that we're different, we're gonna look at things differently. And I think because of that foundation, we'll be able to navigate in wider groups than other people can, so to speak. You know, because we have that already hardwired into us. Now, some of you some of us don't know how to do that yet. That's okay. You will learn as you get older. It's 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 all about experiencing it and and navigating it and being mature about it as you get better and better at your craft. And sometimes that can be a really good thing. And what I think really is good is we can actually be the bridge between a lot of these different groups. I mean, not so much the sto- spokesperson, but we may be placed in that position. It's kind of like, okay, well, you're half black and half white. Granted, we don't have the best of both worlds. Don't always assume that of us either. Or half half, whatever, whatever we go through the same struggles and stuff, even more so because we have the added later layer of dealing with identity and discrimination and being feeling alienated and all that other stuff. Many of us do. Some of us kind of roll with it and are able to, to deal with it really well and, and kind of, you know, integrate in, but some of us aren't that lucky, you know? So, but we do need to be a bridge to talk to a lot of these different communities and and try to bring everyone together, at least with some line of thinking because. Granted, we're the future. We're, we're exploding in terms of population. You better start listening to us. We got some stuff to say, and we can give you some insights that if you're only one race or one background, that you may be able to give an aha moment like, oh, I didn't look at it that way because one of us spoke about it. See what I mean? So I'm going to move on to the next one. I have the right. To create a vocabulary to communicate about being multiracial or multi-ethnic, and see here's the thing with me with well, let me just give you the quick the quick uh, rundown with that with me like for instance, like this is generation mixed podcast. I use mixed, I use biracial, I use multiracial now my personal um, my personal choice is biracial and multiracial, and here's the reason why. It's because it is about race. So some people say, well, no, I'll just say mixed because it isn't about race, but it is about race because it's been about race for centuries. I mean, I don't want to get into the whole historical aspect of, you know, of of the race in this country and how it was established and everything else. I mean, Three-Fifths Compromise, Jim Crow, I can keep moving and moving on with it. But- in terms of like um, other countries, I don't know how it is, but I know one thing that they all share in common is that it's the whole colorism thing. You know what I mean? The lighter you are, the better you are, the higher up the social rung you are and the darker you are, the lower standards, the lower class you are, the lower caste that you're in. So, and in terms of um, other vocabulary, I mean, we, we should be free to say whatever, you know, but that's just my quick example of something like that. Cause again, I'm still learning and navigating and, 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 and really understanding the whole multiracial experience, because yes, I'm talking at it from my personal experience, but not from a scholarly perspective or a psychological perspective. I'm just telling you from my perspective, I'm sure other people have the same ideas as well. And again, it doesn't make it any less valid or incorrect. Everybody has a right to their opinion and it's valid for them. Okay. I have the right to change my identity over my lifetime and more than once. So With me, actually, that's already happened. Um, For me, when I was younger, actually, when I went to San Francisco State back in the the 90s, um, I was in my militant phase. I actually finally picked up the book of the autobiography of Malcolm X, and I was reading the whole thing, and I was kind of agreeing with the more militant parts of his book. And I think what ended up happening for me is that I did a total 360 and I actually became what my mother wanted to me be become, which is a black woman, but I was real militant about stuff, you know, The white man's the devil and yada, 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 you know, all that stuff. When, when Malcolm was first in the nation of Islam, that's how he spoke about white people as blue eyed devils and everything. And as I've, I don't know how the the trans transition occurred, but I know maybe in a probably about a year or so, I kind of just sat back and thought, well, you know, here's the thing. I really shouldn't say that because that's against my father. My father gave me life. So why should I generalize all white men, which includes my father, by by having this type of ideology, you know, or ideology rather. And so that's something I kind of learned to give up, but then I learned to embrace the whole. The whole multiracial, I call myself biracial, multiracial, but sometimes I do say I'm black because unfortunately due to street race, yes, this is real street race, I am black presenting and that's how people are going to see me. And a lot of times at work when people want to say stuff and want to complain, that's the first thing that comes out of their mouth is that black lady. And it's like, first of all, I didn't give you incorrect information. And then the second thing is why, when you complain, you got to put my race as the very first thing about what I've done or said, why is that still so important? And why do you think I'm just that? So, I mean, that kind of like blew my mind type of thing. But in terms of identity, you can, you can be whatever you want to be at any point in life. I think even at one point when I was hanging out with my bestie, I was all in the Latin culture. And actually one of my old emails was honorary Latina at AOL.com. And honey, I was learning to dance Banda. I was learning some Spanish. I was all into the, the Latino food and everything. So there was a moment there. I didn't I didn't identify as Latina, but I was very strongly connected to the culture, you know. And at this point in my life, I just kind of embrace a little bit of everything because not only, you know, the white side through my father, the black side through my mother, but the Latin side, you know, through my friends in high school and my bestie and his family now, and even my own DNA that I found out is Hispanic. It's from the conquistadors, of course, Spain. So, but still I'm part of that community. And I think what I need to work on more is my central Asian. Um I do am learning more about the Asian culture. I know about going into the house, take your shoes off, sign of respect, you don't want to dirty the floor. There's some foods I like. I don't like pho. Sorry guys, I'm not a pho fan. Um you know, I mean I'm I'm still learning to navigate that. But the 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 big two that I've I've kind of shifted from was like black power to like multiracial. So My next one, the next one that I see is, I have the right to have loyalties and identification with more than one group of people. This is very true, because I think a lot of times us multiracial people we're the underdog, and so for me, like I'm always for the underdog type of things, like people who are trying to rise up and have rights. I don't care if you're, you know, if 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 it's the um, if it's the AIM movement, American Indian movement, if it's Black Panthers, Brown Panthers. BLM, all that stuff. I mean, whatever it is that you're trying to do positively to impact changes and to eliminate or reduce discrimination, I'm all for it. And I don't care which background you are. I'm totally for it because as a multiracial person, especially as a half black multiracial person, I can relate to the oppression and the stories that I've heard and the experiences that I've been through, you know, myself to where I'm like, I'm down for whatever cause anybody's for just, just, organize right and just get what you need to do and get it done as best as you can. So I really, I really have a lot of, um, a lot of respect for people like that who are actually trying to get out and do stuff because a lot of people can easily just sit around and complain and and be armchair warriors and things like that. It's like, why don't you get out there and do something about it? Don't just sit around and talk about it, get out there and do something. So more props to all you people who are actually implementing what you, what some people just talk about more power to you right on. And then finally I have the right to freely choose whom I befriend and love. And that kind of falls into the whole thing of being multiracial. You kind of get your pick of the whole litter in a way like I can date like for me I can date white, I can date black, I can date latin. I can and I and I've mostly my experience I mean white and then, you know, mixed. And I've dated latin. So I've kind of dated a little bit around, which is really good because I feel like I'm multiracial. Um first of all I'm not technically if you want to be real technical about it I'm not dating outside my race because I'm white and I'm black and I'm native american and I'm central asian and you know I'm Iberian okay so whoever I date it's really technically not outside my race because it is who I am so and 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 I think being like that having that kind of worldly Worldview and that and 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 just the world coursing through your veins because you're multiracial and more than from one background or country. I think that makes things um, a little bit easier to befriend people that's that that's not traditionally American or whatever. Or going to some sort of event that you've never that most people wouldn't go through be go to because there's a bunch of people of just one primary race, like some sort of Hindu ceremony, or or going to you know or celebrating Hanukkah somewhere or something. You know what I mean? It's like. It gives us that extra, I guess, because we're already different. And a lot of us have been through a lot of experiences that have made us resilient and very um, like strong in our beliefs and comfortable with ourselves to where we're free to do all that stuff. And we're not really tripping so much over it because it's like, I'm I'm pretty much not accepted anywhere. So I'm going to go anywhere anyway for those for people who've dealt with it like that. You know what I mean? I'm going to go where I'm going to go and do what I'm going to do because why not? I think a lot of us tend to be really brave in that aspect. We kind of are like the adventurers of the world and everything else. But um, I really feel that it's, it's really important to have this more widely known um, what's really funny is I got a couple of reposts on my IG from the Bill of Mixed Rights for, uh, Bill of Rights for People of Mixed Heritage. I like calling it the Bill of Mixed Rights, but that's not the proper title. And they were like, say it louder for the people in the back. So I'm, I think this needs to be more widely dispersed, like a t-shirt and everything else, because there's a lot of us out there, our numbers are exploding. And I think to read something like this is very empowering. To conclude, my darlings... I just want to um bring up just one final thought and everything. So for anybody out there who is of mixed background or in a multiracial relationship, find this, find this actual proclamation because if you if you ever feel lost, alone, ignored, depressed, what you need to do is print it out, have it as a background wallpaper on your phone, your computer, and you know, it's a good reminder to all of us that we are worthy, we are valued, we are loved and our opinions matter and our voices are going to be heard. And that it's really important that you can't turn a blind eye to us anymore. We have our own issues. We have our own thoughts. We have our own history that I think America and the world needs to realize that we're very much a part of. So no matter what your racial mixture is, take a look at this. I think it's for all of us. So, my darlings, I'd like to thank you for joining me tonight on this kind of slightly different journey that I took on talking about this. I want you to like, rate, subscribe, and download the Generation Mix podcast, available on all streaming platforms. And shoot me an email at Generation at gmail.com if you have any ideas, suggestions, or if you want to be on the show. And thank you very much for joining me, Generation Mix, bringing multiracial stories. One person at a time from the studio to the streets. Good night, people. Bye-bye.